fantasyexpert.com for hosting this wonderful show. Go check them out. Uh, great fantasy articles happening over there constantly. Um, it's actually our fifth show, bro. We're at number five already. Uh, oh, crazy how time flies, wow. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, might, I um, might need to put the weed down. <laughs> just a little. like just Putting it, it down. A um, you know, it's. I was talking about this last week with somebody. It's, it's that weird part of the fantasy season where you're either doing one of two things. You're in a constant state of anxious holding pattern on a player hoping they're going to get better because you drafted them way too high and you're not getting good enough offers for them or you're dropping cats like crazy and replacing them because you know it's that time of year where we have like injuries or we have guys really underperforming and kind of getting platooned out and you have a lot of guys that you had never heard of had never expected to do anything stepping up and getting enough playing time that they're rosterable um, and you know we'll cover that later in the show on ads and drops and things like that but there's a lot a lot of guys that pouring over the stats for me and in my leagues personally too. I really didn't expect to see myself being so willing to drop already, especially given that some of these guys are drafted as high as like third, fourth round. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, I'm looking at you, Pablo Sandoval. I know that we talked a lot yeah. in detail last week about his fat ass, but uh, unfortunately, yeah, he's uh, definitely one you can just drop now because I, the situation is just ugly up there in Boston. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's a good word for it. You know, the, it's gotten out of control um, with this whole shoulder injury thing, too. You know, it's, it's, we thought he would be traded for sure. Now, I don't really know. But jumping right into things, uh, looking at news from this past week, um, we have a lot of pitchers, uh, players in general, but pitchers really that I've kind of been keeping my eye on, uh, getting really close to coming back from injury. Um, Lance McCullers. Hewlers, I don't know how to say his name, and Henderson Alvarez in Oakland. Um, both pitchers that pitched really well last year before getting injured, um, they have both been sent out on rehab assignments of different natures. Um, but as long as neither hits a setback, you know, we're looking at both of them being rosterable sometime in May. Um, those are both guys that I'm definitely going to keep an eye on, especially if I'm having pitching struggles early on. Yeah, I, I'm not really a fan of McCullers. Uh just due to the fact that, you know, the injury, uh, it's just not really a good one for him. But the Alvarez call, I kind of like, just due to the fact of, you know, where uh, he's going to be pitching this season. Uh, You know, obviously pitching out there in Oakland, when you're 
I guess he's kind of a strikeout artist a little bit. Uh, you know, you kind of go get him more for the strikeouts than anything else. Um, you know, obviously, his last year, a couple of years, has been up and down. You know, last year he got injured, and then the year before, you know, kind of started turning the corner uh, with 111 strikeouts. I, I, I can see where... He he presents great value, especially, you know, if he's out there on the waiver wire and you're looking at a bunch of pitchers. I mean, a lot of these pitchers are bum pitchers right now. And with him pitching out there in Oakland and given, you know, his track record, albeit it's not really that lengthy, but given his track record, uh, I think that, you know, if you're looking for strikeouts, uh, you know, especially when he's pitching out there in Oakland, you know, the ERA shouldn't get too out of control as a whole. So I like that. I like the Alvarez call. I'm not really that much of a fan of the McCullers call. Yeah. I, if I have to pick between them, I'm, I, I will lean the Alvarez route. Um, I, I guess I like McCullers better than you do. Um, so here's something I wanted to kind of pose to you. Um, Carl Crawford. I, I read so many tweets the last few days and a couple articles even about how he's back to like full speed base running. He's resumed all baseball activities. He's going to double or triple A for rehab assignment this week, and then he's going to be back the week after that. And everyone's like, grab him if you need outfield help, blah blah blah. But here's my thing: if you didn't already have him on your team and you have a decent to good outfield already, is Carl Crawford even worth? adding if he's available or targeting as a trade. I mean, this is a guy that used to be the fastest man in baseball, and now, you know, the stolen bases are almost gone. The, the power is not what it used to be, and he's injured every other day. Personally, I'm staying away from him. How do you feel? Uh, you know what? I mean, you're on something. You know, you look at the track record. I mean, here's a guy, he's going 34 now. Uh, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. I don't think I give a shit. Whether or not he's running the bases, uh, I'm with you. I think that, you know, if you own Cole Crawford, you you own him, and he's probably just sitting on your roster. Uh, you could do worse than owning Cole Crawford, I suppose. But at the same time, you pretty much, when you drafted Cole Crawford, you knew what you were getting out of this guy. And I, I just don't see it. I don't see any kind of value whatsoever out of this guy. I mean, he, he's barely been able to play more than 110 games, and that was like – three years ago when he did that. So with him not being able to play uh, a bevy of games, he's just one injury away from, you know, not being able to play at all. I mean, he only played 69 games last year. Average isn't really that great. Uh, so I, I'm with you, man. You know, you, you're looking at a guy that can maybe steal you nine bases, and that's probably what you're targeting him for is the stolen bases. And that's just not enough to be – somebody to just burn a roster spotter on. I would drop him. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. If, I mean, if you're super desperate and people in your league are killing you at getting the better players before you can, sure. I guess if you really need him. But otherwise, like, no. No, thank you. You know, a guy we – you and I both kind of dogged on early in the, the year leading into the season as sort of a major regression candidate because of age, because of, you know, the power decline, things like that. But Adrian Beltre has kind of gotten off to a hot start again this year, enough that – the Texas Rangers went out and inked him, you know, they, this was his only option year. So they inked him down for two more years for a total of 36 million. Uh, he's making 18 million this year, next year, and the year after guarantee contracts all the way through, uh, what would be what his year 40 or 41 seasons. Um, 
as long as he stays healthy and plays all that time, we're looking at him almost guaranteeing the 3,000 hit club sometime next year. He's only about 200 hits away right now, um, which is awesome. Good for him. Probably a legit Hall of Fame lock if he hits that. That's cool. As long as he plays at this level, I don't see a problem with the steal. My thing is you have Joey Gallo and Jerks and Profar just killing it in the minors, biting at the chomp to get up here um, and do what they do, and they're kind of just blocked all the way around. What? I guess I don't get Texas's thinking here when they could have used that money to shore up other places of the team, knowing they had Gallo, Profar, et cetera, coming up. What? What's your take on this? Like it's it's weird. Adrian Beltre's situation is very very strange. I mean, you're 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 talking about a guy who you know played for the Dodgers, played for the Mariners, and played for the Boston Red Sox for one year then play for the Texas Rangers for the rest of his career so far. So, I mean, to ink a deal two years to a 37-year-old, I, I'm kind of with you. You know, you, you kind of want to see what the youngsters can do. And the only way they're going to be able to improve or be ready when it's time for them to be ready is to get them some playing time at the major league level. Uh um, unfortunately for Joe, Joey Gallo, I think that, you know, it's it's something where, you know, when is it going to be able to be the time for him to, to shine in, in the major leagues? Uh, it looks now like it's going to have to take some kind of a trade or something to get him up into the bigs because with the two-year deal for Adrian Beltre, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't see it. I mean, Adrian Beltre, it's weird too because, you know, as old as he's been, He's been pretty decent, you know. I mean, you look at the batting average the last few years, around the 290 range, you know, the low 300s. Uh, he's still, you know, swinging the bat decently, still chipping in about 15 home runs. Um, you know, that, and, he, and he's playing games. He's, you know, he's like the anti-Call Crawford, you know. He's actually playing games. He's got over 140 the last four years at his age. I'm with you, you know, I think that, Texas Rangers giving him that contract, you know, I guess it's more of a um, keep him there. You know, I guess he's the team hero for the last, you know, three or four years for the squad. And so to keep him there, you know, kind of if he does hit that 3,000 plateau, he can do it in a Texas Ranger uni uh, as opposed to his previous ball clubs. I don't know. I mean, you know, as long as Beltre is hitting the baseball it's going to be pretty tough for Joey Gallo to get himself up there. And I think if you own Joey Gallo, obviously it's a hold, considering how hot he is right now in AAA. You know, if you're in a dynasty league or something like that, you know, maybe you can trade some chips to get Joey Gallo to be on your squad. Because I think that, you know, his bat is decent enough to where, you know, maybe he's like the next Chris Davis. Not necessarily hitting 50 home runs, but how Chris Davis was in the Texas Rangers organization was continually being blocked year after year, then finally got the call up and, you know, kind of struggled mightily and then, you know, got the trade and then all of a sudden, you know, kind of blossomed up there with the Baltimore Orioles. And I can kind of see Joey Gallo being in that same situation now where, you know, maybe it's going to take a trade, but I, if I have him, he's a very, very good stash right now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's how I look at it, too, from a fantasy standpoint. You know, you shouldn't have Gallo on your season-long team, but if we're talking keeper dynasty – like, that's a guy that I would be trying to target at some point. Um, 
a move that kind of, I mean, I guess it didn't shock me given how he was playing, but this one kind of had some big fantasy implications. Uh, the Red Sox sent down their catcher, Blake Sweetheart, um, down to the minors. Um, you know, he was struggling, but this was a guy that was drafted like top eight catcher on ESPN. Um, there was a lot of people doubling down on this guy in, you know, the first eight, eight or up rounds. Um they're going to actually work him out down in the minors at left field when he's not catching to get him extra playing time and make him more versatile because they've already called up their top prospect, Christian Vasquez. Um, he's had a pretty good start so far. Uh, the Red Sox manager has already said that they're going to split time when he comes back. You know, luckily, something, again, we'll talk about later with ads and drops, there are some catching options available because we've seen a few catchers really st- that were drafted highly uh, struggle to the point where you're, you know, scrambling for a replacement. So I think this, and this is a guy I was kind of steering clear of, but obviously looking at the the draft data here, a lot of people were pretty high on Sweetheart, and it's kind of screwing him over right now. Yeah, when when you're talking about uh, the Boston catcher situation, I think you know, me and you agree when it comes to catchers in fantasy baseball, you know, it's kind of a, a punt position, and I I think you were on something when. Uh, you're talking about Sweetheart, and, you know, a lot of people buy into the Boston Red Sox hype. You know, a lot of people buy into the AL East hype in general, uh, where a lot of their games can seem like, you know, they're playing out there in Colorado because, you know, they play so long and, you know, get the bullpens in there and uh, bullpen will blow up, and then they'll bring in another guy who's barely warmed up, and, you know, those games can get out of control. So getting some of those offensive pieces from some of those squads it's kind of like the quote-unquote play, I guess, uh, you know, the safe play when you're trying to go get a catcher in fantasy baseball. But having Vasquez up, I think that, you know, it, the writing's on the wall there, folks. You know, if you got Sweetheart, um, you know, hopefully he comes back and he's able to play left field because Lord knows a lot of those players on that Boston Red Sox organization find themselves on the DL more often than not. And so – like Vasquez, if he's out there on the waiver wire, I'm definitely picking him up, uh, you know, especially if I need some healthy catcher. Say, you know, you got Nick Hundley, uh, and, you know, he was off to a great start. But the wheels have kind of fallen off there. Uh, I, getting Vasquez in there and replacing Nick Hundley seems like an optimal play. Um, not really sure how far I'd go up the ladder. I'd probably stop at Salvador Perez, and then, you know, anybody above Salvador Perez is probably safe from being dropped and, and traded out, you know, for Vasquez. But I think Vasquez being up, you know, the Boston Red Sox, they have to do something. They have to get this offense going somehow, some way. And, you know, they can't just rely on Big Poppy to be Big Poppy, you know, in his final year. Uh, although all signs look like Big Poppy's ready to go. So who knows? Yeah, hopefully, you know, it's – I. Even if I'm not a fan of a team, I'm always cheering for a guy that's on his, like, farewell tour, you know, whether it was Kobe, whether it was Derek Jeter, Mariona Rivera. So, like, I I would like to see Big Poppy have a good final season, you know, so good luck to him there. Uh, A guy who has not had his shit together so far this season, uh, well, has at some times, but Matt Harvey, like, what the hell happened on Saturday? Retires the first three batters in a row with, I mean, just looking great out there against Cleveland. And then five runs to the next 12 hitters. Just falls apart. Um, he's struggled with runners on base all season. Um, 
the pitching coach for the Mets has said it comes down to something about his mechanics uh, from the stretch. Uh, so, like, I don't know what they're going to do to fix that. But, I mean, Matt Harvey's a guy that was, like, guaranteed top two rounds, top three if you had a weird league. Uh, this guy was drafted insanely high for his ability to get hitters out consistently and not give up huge run games. This this is a big blow, um, you know, not only to season-long people, but I know a ton. I, I saw so many Matt Harvey lineups on Saturday, and this screwed any chance I had at winning any money. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the stats so far. I mean, he's had three games, and he's only got nine strikeouts. In three games? Yeah. Uh, the Matt Harvey of yesteryear, you know, that's nine strikeouts in one game. You know, uh, a complete game shutout. Uh, right now, the ERA sitting 5.71. Oh, my goodness gracious. I don't know what you do if you own Matt Harvey. You're kind of in a caught between a rock and a hard place. I mean, obviously, Matt Harvey, extremely talented. Uh, there's no question about it. But you see this sometimes with pitchers where, you know, the, the mechanics gets kind of uh, out of whack. I think, you know, you probably see the same thing with Zach Greinke going on down there in Arizona where uh, you know that this guy's talented. You you know that, you know, this, this he's not this bad. He's not 5.17 bad uh, or 7.1 bad. So getting a guy like Matt Harvey off of your roster, it's going to be tough. I don't know how you're going to do something like that. I think you're in a situation now where you're at least needing to see where he's at a month from now. Uh, yeah, and, and even that's dangerous because, you know, if, say that there's some kind of a underlining injury issue going on with him right now that we don't know anything about. And then all of a sudden, you know, he goes out in the next start or the next start or two and then ends up getting injured, and then you can't trade him. So you're in a situation right now where if you feel like trading him, which, you know, I, I get it. I understand. You know, if you have to do what you got to do in order to save your baseball team. But, gosh, I, you're going to be trading, like you said, you know, that this was a guy that was probably one of the top ten pitchers being picked in fantasy baseball, you're not going to get the value that you put in when you draft this guy back. And so that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Uh, I really, I'm trying to rattle my brain right now to try and come up with some kind of a deal where I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll ship Matt Harvey out because you're really going to get lowballed, and it's unfortunate that you're going to get lowballed. But the things, the way that they're looking right now, it looks like maybe Matt Harvey is not right for this season. Um, obviously you want him to turn it around, but I don't know. The, the next start, you kind of have no choice but to start him because you started him the last three in, in hopes that he lowers your ERA for his, his counting stats on your squad. Uh, you, you're kind of in that situation where you have no choice but to throw him out there every single time in order to lower your ERA on your squad. And so I don't know what you do, man. That's a tough question. What would you do? Oh, yeah, yeah, I have no idea, dude. You're so stuck because you're not going to get near what you need trade offer wise for him. You can't just drop him. Um, you're Like you said, you're stuck putting him out there hoping he writes the ship and gets it better and that maybe, you know, just maybe you get a trade offer that's decent enough that you can be like, oh, okay, fine, I'll take it. Just, just to unload him. 
But, you know, too, what if you do that and he cranks off 13 wins in a row and, you know, with a .7 ERA through them? Then all of a sudden he's looking at a total ERA of, like, 1.4 and you look like a dumbass for training him. So I think, like, really, you're just kind of screwed either way until something actually happens with him. Hopefully he turns it around and it it doesn't affect you long term. But especially in, like, head-to-head weekly leagues, like, you could have lost two weekly matchups already now thanks to his ERA. I mean, you know, if it comes down to one category like that, you should probably upgrade your squad anyway. But there's a chance that it's going to a lot of people over. Yeah, and, that, and it's really, really tough. It's extremely tough, especially a guy like this, considering his ADP going into the year where, I mean, it, you're right too, though. You know, hopefully he can get his ERA under three. And when he or you know at least under four, uh, maybe he gets down to the three fives, and then that's when you need to start thinking about shipping him out. But you know he is the type of pitcher where he could have this this start and then rattle off you know thirteen in a row, just fantastic start. So it's just kind of a wait and see situation, folks. Absolutely, you know. So getting to the nitty gritty, the ugly things that happened this last week. What what the hell is up with John Lester? You, you know, I understand the yips. I understand getting in a rut and making a few weird plays. But this dude seriously cannot just softly toss the baseball 12 to 13 feet to first base no matter what is happening. I don't understand how a man can throw a ball from all the way to home plate, 90 plus miles per hour, within centimeters, you know, accurate, but just can't underhand a baseball to first base accurately. Like, what the fuck is his deal? Uh, I mean, hey, Chuck Knobloch syndrome. Uh, and that's, that's what, what everybody talking up as. You know, I mean, it's the truth. I mean, we all saw it with Chuck Knobloch. I mean, all of a sudden, just could not throw from the hole to first base. And, you know, I... Some people just get that way, and I think that he's one of them. But you're right. I don't know how you can throw a strike from where he's pitching from, and then you can't just throw at the first base. So hopefully he gets that shit together because I know that uh, Senor Madden is not too pleased, and uh, he really likes how a team plays fundamentally sound baseball and to give up, you know, have runners on base for something stupid like that is just pretty much uncalled for. Yeah, and that's, you know, and this is something publicly we might never know about, but I feel like, especially a manager like Joe Madden, but any manager really would have him out there, you know, with just just a hitting coach and a fielding coach, uh, nobody else, so it's not embarrassing, just hitting bunt after bunt after lazy liner, uh, making him do it, just, you know, repetition, 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 and like, that's, from little leagues up in any sport, that's how you break somebody of a bad habit, repetition. So I don't know, especially when you're paying this guy so much money, I, I don't know why somebody isn't out there trying to correct it. You know, is it is it like he has so much seniority, he's done so much, he's John Lester that you don't get to tell him how to fix his game? Like, I, I, I don't know what it is, but it, it really bothers me that someone that is such a good pitcher is so fundamentally just up their own ass when it comes to playing or well not even playing defense he fields the ball beautifully it's just the delivery to first that just he doesn't get down yeah i mean, i guess it's just one of those things you can lead the horse to water but you can't make him drink you know why does deandre jordan still can't make a fucking free throw uh you know just 
things like that, you know, I don't understand my damn self. You know, you get paid lots and lots of money uh, to do the simple things and, like, you know, like a wide receiver, catch the fucking football. That's what you're getting paid to do. Hit your hands, catch the fucking football. If you're a pitcher, throw it to first base so that you can get it out. Help yourself out. Shit. I know, they preach fundamentals the whole way up, like fundamentals, 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 but apparently it's not, if you're getting paid, you don't need fundamentals anymore. Uh, nope. Something that I'm sure you probably didn't see um, just because you were probably doing other things and you don't care about either team that much, but, oh my God, so the Pirates and the Brewers played this weekend, so obviously I was tuning in, but something uh, apparently the Pirates are doing all season long, home games on Sundays, uh, their 1979 We Are Family throwback yellow v-neck jerseys with like the weird striped hats i i caught some backlash commenting on this but at least me personally like these are the worst uniforms in baseball history they're worse than the padres brown ones like these are awful i don't know why people are excited about these like this was nine innings of just pure offensiveness to my eyes i hate them i hate them i hate them well I hate them for other reasons, but I actually kind of <laughs> like the throwbacks. Um, I, I like that old school style a little bit. Uh, you won't catch me wearing it, uh, by all means, heavens no. But I do kind of like their throwbacks. Uh, I like those better than you know the other team and their throwback jerseys because those just really hurt my eyes. But uh, I just think you know it's just something with that city and all their jerseys and their color combinations are the same and. Uh, they're all disgusting. Yeah, you know that's true. I have to give Pittsburgh props. Like no other city does it as well as they do with the coordinated color patterns. So I mean, and that goes all the way back, you know, to the '60s, probably earlier. So I mean, like props to Pittsburgh for pulling it off. But you're right; it's like they're the worst freaking uniforms. Like the Steelers uniforms suck. The Pirates uniforms suck. The Penguins uniforms suck. Like cool yeah. for making it all work, but they're all awful. Oh, speaking of awful, a guy we talked about earlier, Pablo Sandoval, officially officially gone to the DL now, 15-day right now with that left shoulder strain. Um, I get the impression with him going to seek a second opinion from uh, another doctor that this is one of those things where, like, maybe he was shut down just because he's fat and they're, like, blaming it on something else and they're, like, just trying to, like, keep him away. Uh, like, there might be something else going on here that we should keep our eyes on. But from a fantasy standpoint, like, like we said before, like, cut all ties. Like, you just, you need to be done here. <laughs> I, you just, Pablo Sandoval is, is washed at this point. You know, drop him. No one's going to pick him up. And then if he does get traded, if he does start playing for somebody, he's there. Get him, I guess. Um, another guy like I'm really targeting right now, especially if I need help at this position, uh, Ruben Tejada is, went out on triple or double A, excuse me, rehab assignment this week or last week. Wow, I can't I can't read my own notes today, man. So <clears throat> let's just start over. Ruben Tejada <laughs> was sent out on double A rehab assignment last week. He's going to do a couple triple A games this week, and then could be back by this weekend series. Um, you know the the fill-in shortstops for St. Louis have been pretty well playing pretty well, putting up some good numbers, but you have to believe that Matheny is going to want to put the number one guy that they went out there and paid money for in an everyday position. Uh, produced well for the Mets last year, so that's a guy, you know, if I need shortstop help and uh, the Zach Hozarts of the world are already taken, I'm probably trying to get Ruben Tejada. Um, he's owned in less than 1% of leagues right now, so probably don't add him yet, but maybe like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, if he gets called up, I, I'm looking at putting him on my team. 
I've always been a fan of Ruben Tejada. I definitely liked him when he was playing with the Mets. Uh, probably not going to like him that much now that he plays with the Cardinals. No. Nope. You're, you're on to something where, uh, you know, he's a decent shortstop. He's not, you know, extremely flashy, but uh, the numbers that he's going to get you are are okay. You know, they're decent enough. Uh, defensively, he's more of, you know, kind of a defensive guy. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, they pride themselves on defense. I don't know if, you know, if when he gets back, he automatically slots back into the shortstop role. Uh, I think that who they have right now, he's just way too hot. Um, I'm trying to think. I put him in my blog on Friday, and I can't even remember. Oh, Diaz. Uh, the shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals right now, he's on fire. I think he's still batting over like 400 or so. Uh, he's gotten, you know, two or three home runs. And so right now I think he's kind of forcing the issue. Obviously when Peralta gets back, that's a completely different story because Johnny Peralta is Johnny Peralta. But I think that, you know, with Tejada being, you know, not as, I guess, great in terms of, you know, offensive production, I think they'll spin the tires on Diaz a little bit longer until he cools off to the point where, you know, they can put him back down into the minors, have him sizzle down there for a little bit, and then bring him back up later on in the year. But as long as Diaz is hitting the way that he's hitting right now, I don't see him going anywhere. And if he's still out on your waiver wire, I think that he's actually a pretty darn good shortstop to go acquire if you need shortstop help. There you go. Uh, and I think you're right. It's one of those things where you have to kind of play it by ear and see when Matheny starts slotting him in every day. And we could see him play at second, too. You know, it's been kind of a revolving door at second there, um, which is frustrating for a lot of people that bought in on Colton Wong because he's not getting enough playing time and it could even get further stifled now. Um, another guy people have been pretty high on, Arizona, was really counting on him to be like their, you know, number two stud. But Shelby Miller exited his start on Saturday <clears throat> with a right finger injury. Um, this is something to really keep an eye on. You know, blisters, cuts, things like that, they can linger. And if a guy that throws, like, split fingers like Miller, that's that's something that can be, like, long-term. Uh, obviously, you're not going to drop him or anything like that, but should probably really keep an eye on him. Might need to put him on the DL for a little while um, and call, you know, grab somebody off the wire as a semi, you know, permanent replacement until he comes back. But that's... Uh, at least for me, like I have quite a few Shelby Miller shares, so like I'm I'm really like waiting with bated breath to see what happens here. Yeah, it's not looking good. I mean, if Matt Harvey's numbers were ugly, these are ugly, folks. Uh, ERA at eight point five three. Oh man, only nine strikeouts. He's given up five home runs so far. Yeah. When you have a finger or, you know, a, a blister issue on your hand, obviously that controls the ball. It controls the movement of the ball. Uh, you know, 171 strikeouts a year ago. Sheldon Miller, a lot of people probably have lots of shares of Sheldon Miller just due to the fact that, you know, they went, they wanted to get those strikeouts. And if he's not getting the strikeouts and he's giving up the long ball way too often, unlike the Matt Harvey situation where – you know, Matt Harvey, you drafted, you know, your second, your third, or your fourth rounds. Uh, Shelby Miller, you probably got at a discounted price, you know, in the later, the mid-rounds. And so he's more of a guy that I would have no problem moving right now, uh, just in complete panic mode, because I don't know if anything's going to change. And 
I don't know if you can sit around and wait for it to change, considering who he plays for. And, uh, yeah, I can see him getting lit up a lot more as the season continues. Uh, I I just I don't know. I, I really don't think that Sheldon Miller is going to turn it around. I think it might just get worse. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. Like, I'm I'm pretty worried at this point, especially with the lack of uh, run production. The la- You know, they started off so hot, and they've cooled so much, and it's not getting the run support that they need, so they're pressing. It's it's just not a good environment for pitchers right now. No problem. Which, you know, to, to, yeah, exactly. It's it's not a good situation no right now for fantasy. All right. <laughs> so we're just going to blame it all on that. Yep. AJ Paul, like every, all of, just like everything everything that has to do with the Arizona Diamondbacks, it's all because Pollock got hurt. <laughs> That's it. That's some bad juju. Um so Hyunjin Ryu, wow, I just nailed his name. From the Dodgers. Nice. Missed all of last year. Um working to come back this year, someone I'm really waiting to get back, you know, someone that could be a really strong second half candidate to plug into your lineups. Um just had a setback from shoulder surgery, which is good. It wasn't a shoulder injury, so like his shoulder's okay. But it's a groin injury this time. We all know how groin injuries can really linger. You obviously can't throw when you have a groin injury. And anytime you're having shoulder surgery, you know, you're trying to build up stamina, build up muscle mass, whatever it is. You know, you're trying to get to the point so you can throw an entire game. And so if he has to sit out now, it's going to set him back. So... This is one I got to keep my eye on, but I'm a, I'm a bit bummed that he's hit a setback because it was someone I was really counting on a bounce back second half from. Yeah, the setback's not good because everything else uh, about his numbers are pretty solid for you to be able to bank on a bounce back year. Um, yeah, the I that that's a little bit worrisome. Uh, him having a setback could mean that you know everything's not right, and if everything's not right then I don't think that we'll see the similar numbers. You know, he was relatively healthy until that happened a year ago, and he, was, he wasn't he was as good as he was the year before last year, and I guess that injury had something to do with it, obviously. So you hope that, you know, he comes back and he's healthy, but with the setback happening, you know, if you own, own a share or two, I guess I would try and flip it for something just so that you can get something back right now because who knows when he's going to come back considering the injury is the groin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another guy that was a real disappointment for me uh, and probably a lot of people, Sergio Romo, um, not off to a great start. You know, a guy that was drafted pretty highly for relief pitchers. Um, officially on the 15-day DL now with a right elbow flexor strain. So that could turn into a much longer DL stint. Uh, he can't even throw until the beginning of May at the earliest. Uh, totally droppable, in my opinion, at this point. Uh, if you haven't already, should have a couple weeks ago. But that should not be on your roster anymore. Um, Charlie Blackman in Colorado, another guy who wasn't off to the best start. Um, 15-day deal with a turf toe, and he's in a walking boot. So another guy I'm dropping, especially with all the outfielders that are out there. And then probably one of the bigger disappointments, uh, Brian Buxton missed the whole weekend. Uh, actually got back in the lineup tonight, but not playing well. Uh, has a hand contusion. So a lot of people are banking on the rookie to play well. I know I was, and he's really been a disappointment this year. And now with a hand injury, the at-bats are probably going to suffer even more. 
Yeah, all three of these guys uh, definitely have been struggling. Um, you know, you don't you hate to blame it on injury, but you know the writing's kind of on the wall, uh, especially with Blackman. You know, Blackman was a guy that a lot of people invested highly in, considering he plays for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, he was going to hit at the top of the lineup in front of Arenado and Cargo, and you know, I guess you know now Trevor Story. And considering how hot Trevor Story's been, uh, to see Blackman struggle the way that he has, you know. At least it's an injury that you can blame it on and not really the skill set per se, although a lot of people did kind of call him to be a regression candidate. But I don't think you can chalk that up to being a regression candidate due to the injury. Hopefully he bounces back uh, if he comes back healthy later in the year. I wouldn't mind trying to buy low on a guy like Blackman just considering where he plays, especially when we start getting into the summer months. The Buxton thing, I... It sucks. You know, it stinks when a guy that a lot of people are hype on, you know, kind of struggles and you just really can't put it all together. Uh, it reminds me of Dominic Brown of the Phillies where, you know, we were talking about Dominic Brown, you know, kind of being, you know, like Mike Trout back when, he, you know, they were both in the minors and then, you know, they all kind of got the call up in the same year. And, you know, Dominic Brown had a hot month there a couple of years ago, but – Ever since then, you know, he hasn't really done anything. And so you hope that he's able to get his stuff together, Bucks and that is, uh, as far as is readjusting and kind of showing what we've seen from him at the lower levels. Sometimes, you know, it takes some, some hitters a while to get adjusted. And, you know, maybe the bright lights are just too big for him right now. Hopefully he can go down, get his hand healed, and then, you know, get some time in AAA and come back strong in the majors because Lord knows the Minnesota Twins have invested in him being, you know, kind of a piece towards their future rebuilding plans. Oh, yeah, the Twins are all in on Buxton, so they they need him to kind of turn it around, and hopefully he can. You know, I'm never cheering against a prospect. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we will look at some waiver guys you should be targeting and dropping, as well as some studs and duds for Daily Fantasy for – this week three of the MLO season. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back on rounding third. Sign up at ownthepla.com using referral code R3P for special promotions when you make your first deposit. Then test your skills and play head-to-head with Nick and T. Back, folks. This is the Rounding Third Podcast here on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network, sponsored by On the Play. It's your host Ed Hude with my co-host at Nick Slagle. We're going to talk a little bit about some studs, some duds, some ads, some drops, all sorts of goodies. Still some fantasy baseball talk going on. Nick, let them know, man. Yeah, you know, um, week three there is actually some really like top tier. Uh, waiver guys like readily available. So uh, whenever I pour over the waiver wire, nor and you know I'm kind of breaking my own rule this week, but most of the time I'm looking at guys that are owned in less than 50% of leagues, so that they're like pretty much widely available. Um, but given the outbreak of some of these guys, um, I had to break that rule this week. So a couple of these guys on the list, you know, if you can get them, like good for you. 
uh, if you can't, if they're not available, like that's not your fault. They're pretty highly owned. But kicking off the list for me, one I was kind of shocked to see, Matt Moore. Uh, on Sunday through 10Ks, 2.95 ERA in his first three starts, 32% owned in ESPN leagues. Like, seriously? Go out there and get this guy. Like, that, you know, some of these pitchers we talked about earlier outside of, like, Matt Harvey, like, drop them and go get yourself a Matt Moore. And another one, too, Ian Kennedy in Kansas City. He's killing it. 2-0, 14 strikeouts, uh, .66 ERA, and a .73 whip. Uh, he's he's killing it in every category for head-to-head leagues, even Roto League. Less than 50, just less than 50% owned at 49%. Uh, you know, those are two really good pitchers that... For whatever reason, people are not rostering right now. Yeah, I, you know, with Ian Kennedy, I like him a little bit more than Matt Moore. I do like Matt Moore a lot. I think both of these are great, great pickups if you're looking for some help with your pitching right now. Uh, I think that long, long term, Ian Kennedy's probably a guy that I would target uh, as far as him having a solid season this year. Uh, change of scenery, getting the KC as opposed to, you know, his past couple of years pitching, you know, Arizona, New York. And so now getting to the KC staff where, you know, we've seen a resurgence of a lot of pitchers who end up in Kansas City the last couple of years where all of a sudden everything just clicked. Obviously, uh, you know, Salvador Perez is one of the best catchers in the game as far-wise as uh, controlling the game and getting the pitchers comfortable enough and all that stuff like that. So, I like Ian Kennedy long-term. I think short-term, definitely go out and get you some Matt Moore. Uh, while he's hot right now, can definitely help your team long-term, getting the, the hot counting stats. But when the bottom starts falling out for Matt Moore, the bottom's going to start falling out, and it's going to start falling out hard. So you're going to have to be a little bit noticed. Like you're going to have to pay close, close attention to Matt Moore as the season progresses, whereas Ian Kennedy, yeah, he'll have his bumps in the road along the way. But I think that, you know, if you can get Ian Kennedy out there in the waiver wire right now, uh, you could probably roster him for the rest of the year and, and be really happy with the outcome. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I'm leaning more towards Ian Kennedy than Matt Moore. Um, you know, if I go out to get Kennedy and he's not available, I think I'm I'm okay taking more right now. Uh, rounding out the pitchers, some guys I'm not as psyched about, but still Doing pretty well if you're looking for specific stats. Uh, Ross Stripling in L.A., only 25% owned. He hasn't won a game yet, um, but 9Ks, uh, 2 ERA, and a .75 whip and two starts. Uh, you know, So if you're looking for Ks or you need some help lowering your ERA or especially your whip, um, Stripling's definitely a good candidate, and he's readily available. Um, a relief pitcher, Jinmar Gomez in Philly, only 44% owned. He has four saves and four opportunities, three strikeouts, a 1.8 whip. Just gave up his first run this weekend. Um, still got the win in that game instead of the save. Um, and 0.8 uh, whip. So he's doing really, really well. Hasn't been a named, like, officially Phillies closer yet. So, like, you know, take that with a grain of salt, I guess. But he, he's doing the job for right now if you need some relief help, especially if you know you owned Sergio Romo. The perfect replacement here. Um, and then another guy that's probably owned in most of your leagues, but a guy I really, really like is Vince Velasquez in Philly as well. He's 78% owned, but this kid is 2-0 and with 25 strikeouts, zero earned runs, and a .6 whip. Um, they've already said he's on a pitching count and an innings limit count for this year. So this is probably a guy you're not buying in on the whole season, but like if somehow he's still, you know, you're one of that, 22% of leagues that he's still available, like grab this guy right now because you could ride this hot start 
um, especially when the Phillies pitching is really their only bright spot right now. If you're in one of those leagues where he's not owned, you're in that 22%, quit your league, okay? There's no way <laughs> this guy should be unowned right now. Uh, yes, I know that you know a lot of people kind of get scared from the rookies, but we're not going to go to the point where you know we're talking about the next Jose Fernandez. But I think what you've seen so far out of him, especially who he's done it against, it's it's encouraging. Yeah, I, I think that it's very very encouraging. Yes, you're right. Uh, if he's owned right now, uh, they're probably going to want a king's ransom for him. So there's no reason trading for him. But I guess if you're in that 22%, go out and grab this guy and put him on your roster. Ride him out until they shut him down. You know, come July or come August, uh, because they're going to try and protect this arm. Because this is what the Phillies going to have to do. They're in rebuilding mode, and uh, you know he's part. He's an integral piece. Uh, of their future. So I like him so far. Uh, he's definitely helped me win some money in daily fantasy. So I'm going to ride him out as long as he's hot right now. And uh, I look for him to be moderately priced in daily fantasy for the short term. And I guess, you know, as far as the season long is concerned, I'm not sure if he's a guy that, you know, you necessarily need to track like that more. Um, you know, he's a rookie. He's going to have his ups and his downs. But I think Long-term, we're looking at a guy who could probably provide over 100 strikeouts in the amount of starts that he's going to be giving you. Um, the wins, you're not really going to be chasing. But so far, what's encouraging is that, you know, it looks like he's a strong candidate for, to at least go out and get you a quality start. He's not going to go deep, deep in games, but he's at least going six, and that's very, very encouraging. Absolutely, and I like that you touched on Daily Fantasy, because if you got in there on the first couple of starts, I mean, he was a bargain price, but I think even still, given that he's a rookie, um, given the the name recognition of so many pitchers in the league on any given day, uh, I think his price will stay right in the middle, you know, 8th to 15th range of pitchers, which is cool. You can get a lot of value there then. Um, two outfielders I'm really targeting. Uh, Jeremy Hazelbaker, even though he hasn't gotten as much playing time recently. So, you know, Brandon Moss is another guy you could probably target. Um, only owned in 65% of leagues. He's cooling off a bit, but, I mean, got off to that super hot start, 406 with three home runs and seven RBIs. So somebody to keep an eye on if you need some outfield help or just waiting for an injury to come back. Um, and then a guy we talked about a little last week, uh, Nomar Mazzara, had a hot first week. He's currently hitting 444 with a home run and five RBIs. Only owned in 50 57% of leagues. Um it looks like he's there to stay. For the meantime, he's going to get at bat. If you need a DH or an outfielder, I'd pick him up, definitely. Yeah, I love me some uh, some Mazzara. Uh, I mentioned him last week, and he, yeah, you're right. You know, he's still off to a hot start, and considering where he's batting for the Rangers, uh, you have to believe that the Rangers believe in his bat as well. Most of the days, he's been slotted in that two-hole in front of Prince Fielder and Adrian Beltre, and so the value is going to be there. Obviously, the situation in Texas is an interesting one when you're definitely going to have to keep track of, you know, who's in, who's out. We mentioned Joey Gallo earlier, Profar earlier. These are guys who could come up and, and play his position as well. And so with him being young and considering, you know, baseball is a business, um, you know, if he cools off, it's not out of the realm of possibility to see him getting sit down and seeing one of those guys come up for the short term. But for right now, 
I, I like everything about that guy, and you're right about uh, Hausabacher too. Um, it just seems like with St. Louis, they're doing some funky things with their lineups. They're trying to figure out a configuration that they like the best. I don't think they're going to figure out a configuration. I think this is probably going to be a team where the lineup's going to be different every single day. So he's not consideringly getting a lot of playing time right now. But what we've seen so far out of out of him, he's batting towards the top of the order. Uh, you know, he's getting, being slotted in the two-hole as well. And so there's value there when he does play. So make sure you keep your eye on those lineups and get him into your lineup when he is playing because he's been productive when he's gotten the start. Absolutely. So switching sides a bit um, from a season-long perspective, looking at some guys that, at least for me, I'm probably dropping for better available. Um, Your boy out in Cincinnati, Devin Maserato, just been pretty disappointing behind the plate. Uh, He's hitting 125. He's had some spotty playing time due to injury recently. Uh, I'm I'm going out there. I'm trying to grab uh, Cervelli if he's available. 74% owned, so, you know, probably not likely. But uh, Miguel Montero quietly putting together a nice little season is like, you know, the semi-everyday catcher in Chicago, only 32% owned. Uh, so I've got both of those guys over Mazzaracco. Uh My dude, Chris Davis, Crush Davis, the other Crush Davis, <laughs> Uh, out in Oakland, got traded from Milwaukee to Oakland. Still 39% owned, but he's 6 for 37, which is 162 this season. 1 for 7 in his last two games after a day off to get his head straight. The outfield options are loaded in Oakland. Bob Melvin likes to toy with the lineup. Davis is probably going to see a decline in playing time pretty soon. There's really no reason to own him at this point. Uh, Brad Miller in Tampa Bay, 2 for 28, which is point seven one. <laughs> Uh, on the season, even uh, that was before going two for four on Saturday, excuse me. Um, so after all of a sudden, he's still just hitting 125 now. Um, the Rays are second to last in run scored in the AL. There's no lineup protection. There's no runs to bat in here. So I'm definitely dropping Brad Miller, um, especially because Zach Cozart's still like criminally under-owned, which I just don't understand. And then another guy, so this is uh, another one where I was talking about, you know, some top five catchers, top ten catchers, Coming into some issues, Travis Darno with the Mets, still 72% owned. He's injured right now. It's not going to be like a DL stint, but even without the injury, he's hitting 120. And like I just talked about, you know, with Cervelli maybe available, Montero, there's better options out there. Um, despite being, you know, forecasted as a dark horse top five candidate, I'm dropping Darno at this point if I can't trade him. Yeah, I'm probably dropping him as well. I do own a couple of shares of him and. From what I've seen so far, you know, I, it, to be quite honest, you know, as a guy who drafted Darno, I, I wasn't going out to try and get the average. I wanted more pop, and, you know, not getting any of the pop to start the year, considering where the average is, it may not happen as much as I would like. Uh, you would like to see him, you know, kind of be in that 250 to 260 range to at least, you know, have you have some faith that he can hit 15 to 20. Uh, but with the average being where it is right now, uh, considering how he's played to start the year, I'm a bit worried. I don't even think he's probably going to reach 15 at this point. So I'm definitely dropping all of these guys. Uh, you're right about Mezzo. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. I mean, you spend that much time not playing baseball. Um, it's going to affect you, and especially at the catcher position. Uh, not everybody can be as good as Buster Posey. Ugh, Gerald. <laughs> My, like, mortal nemesis. 
Oh, I just get like this awful feeling every time I talk about him because he's so good and I just don't want to give him any credit for it at all. Um, so speaking of studs, I actually want to talk about switching sides more to the daily side of things. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, Thor, going off, going ham for the Mets as we speak right now. You know, we should have recorded on Sunday so we could have said play him twice this week, but worth every penny. I don't care if he's the highest Christ player, uh, especially this week, gets another start against the Atlanta Braves, uh, third to last in the league in team batting average and run scored. He's going to, you know, make, just make fools of them. Uh, another guy I really like low-key is Zach Davies from Milwaukee. Had a rough outing against the Pirates yesterday, but uh, as someone who watched the game pretty closely, I can tell you it was all the defense's fault. Multiple errors, multiple bad scoring uh, by the judge, but either way, like he, he pitched well, came into this uh, after 15 consecutive scoreless innings to end the season last year. Um, gets to go against the anemic hitting Phillies this Friday. He's going to be a really low price pitching option. So I think, you know, if you could get some good numbers there and save and use that money other places. Uh, guy, two guys, two guys I'm all in on this week are Jacques Peterson and Chase Utley. Um, they're both ridiculously just hitting ridiculously well against right-handed pitchers so far this season. Um, Jacques hitting a slash line of 320, 393, 560, and Chase Utley's hitting 357, 438, and 536. Like, it's just ridiculous how good they are against right-handed pitchers. It's all righties this week for them against the Braves and the Rockies, who are ranked 29th and 30th in Team ERA. Um, these two dudes are going to go off this week, and I don't really care what they're priced at. They're actually pretty good bargains, but uh, even if they were higher priced, like these are the guys I'm all in on. And then Eric Hosmer, too. Um, he has all right-handed pitchers he's facing this week, and besides Jordan Zimmerman to start the week, um, it's kind of a cakewalk from there. He's hitting 333 against righties this season, so uh, a lot of guys that aren't even at the high end of the price spectrum besides Syndergaard, but are, could seriously put up a lot of numbers for you this week. Yeah, all those guys are very, very, very attractive. I don't even care what price Thor is at. I think Thor is worth the price whatever day he's pitching. doesn't matter the site. Uh, you know, the it, it's, it sucks uh, for Matt Harvey owners because they could have even they could have easily made a pivot and went to Thor and got him, you know, maybe two or three rounds later and got, you know, the, the, the shutout dominant performances that – you were expecting Matt Harvey to have that Thor's having so far to start the year. Um, the Jock and Chase Utley thing, they have been kind of under the radar playing really well to start the year. Uh, not a lot of pop from Jock so far, but you have to believe that it's on its way uh, considering how he's playing. And, you know, you're right. You know, he mashes righties. And if he's getting right-handed pitching all week, I'm sure he's going to hit a couple of home runs this week as well. And Eric Hosmer, I remember when we were talking about Eric Hosmer and how he was, like, dead, like, two or three years ago. Uh, he just seems to be, like, one of those guys where he's just kind of just steady as he goes. It seems like it's just that same thing with that Kansas City Royals team where, you know, they don't do anything too flashy. But, you know, Eric Hosmer, he's going to go out there. He's going to be this, you know, solid 290, 300 guy. And uh, it's nice to see that the pop is – a little bit there uh, as far as, you know, him playing in Kansas City and him playing in, you know, the AL. But the average, him batting against right-handed pitching, I've always slotted Eric Hosmer in, especially if he's facing some soft righty. So 
I like all of these picks. Um, maybe not so much on the Zach Davies, but I'll, I might, I might, uh, I might throw him out there this week just to see. You know, I might take a shot with you, and I'll, I'll watch the game with you, and we can cheer on Zach Davies together. Ha, there we go. You know, I gotta give you something to cheer for because your team's well, your team's better than me, so I guess I can't talk too much shit. Yeah, it's all right. We're kind of in the same boat. Yeah, you're, you're like just a little better. It's, I'm envious of you, and that's sad. <laughs> to the flip side, a bunch of guys that are, a bunch of guys that are playing as well as our teams right now. Uh, Freddie Freeman, like I don't know what his deal is. He's still only hitting 125. He's the second worst active first baseman in baseball. He gets to play the Dodgers and the Mets this week. You know, two of the better rotations in baseball. So I'm avoiding him at all costs. Uh, third baseman Nick Castellanos from Detroit. Um, this is, was a hard one for me because he's second among third baseman right now with a 368 average. He's been heating up consistently. He's playing well. But this week, dude, he's got to face Ian Kennedy, Edinson Volquez, Corey Kluber, and Carlos Carrasco in the same week. He's the second or third highest-priced third baseman right now on most sites. I, just at that price, I'm avoiding him. I can't do it right now. Um, Gene Segura, another guy that's been really hot or was kind of hot but he actually hasn't had a stolen base or an extra base hit. Two things you're really counting on him for in six games now. Seven games, actually, sorry, as of this uh, taping. He's cooling off. Lots of tough matchups against San Francisco and then on the road against Pittsburgh. Or, sorry, on the road in San Francisco and then at home against Pittsburgh. So another guy I'm avoiding considering his price. And then Brandon Belt. You know, dude's been hitting a home run like every other day, but it's clear from looking at the stats that his home Power at home is far less than it is on the road. Um, all of the games are at home this weekend. He faces Jose Fernandez and Granke, so that's another guy I'm probably avoiding on the daily side. I feel like you're just hating on Gene Skewer because uh, he didn't he didn't produce the way that he's producing right now. A year ago, <laughs> when he was playing with the Brewers. You leave Gene Skewer. This stuff is a little uh, real. He's, he's he's doing just fine, like I thought he would with the Diamondbacks. They got themselves a steal. Just kidding, folks. Uh, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, the pop and the stolen bases are, you know, kind of not there right now. And so considering the price tag, because he's getting up there because he's been pretty hot to start the year, uh, I'd probably avoid him as well considering his matchups. Uh, the Brandon Belt thing, uh, it's a very interesting one. I mean, I don't think there's a player in baseball who has more – you know, of an obvious home road split situation uh, than Brandon Belt does right now, and I mean it's almost to the point where you can you can honestly just put him on the bench, like you said. You know, if he's playing at home uh, because he's had some of the best matchups playing at home and has done nothing with them, and uh, it's extremely frustrating. But you know, with Brandon Belt playing at home and the matchups he has this week. I agree with you there. I think that he's definitely safe to avoid. Freddie Freeman, I'm just going to say I told you so, folks. Uh, I was just screaming avoid, avoid, avoid this guy. And, uh, yeah, to start the year, it's not. I don't think it's going to get any better. Uh, if I had Freddie Freeman on my squad, uh, I don't know. I'd, pro- I'd probably trade him for Velasquez. Oh, there you go. I I, li- I like that trade. You know, I'm a, I'm a Freddie Freeman truther. Like, that's, that's a guy I was on board with for a long time, but – Something's clearly not clicking, and it, it looks like it's going to be long-term. Hopefully, maybe not more than this season. But I would trade him for Velasquez straight up. Hell yeah. I love that deal. All right, folks. 
So we're going to take one last quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at some value plays of the week sponsored by OwnThePlay.com. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back on Rounding Third. And now, Value Plays of the Week, presented by OwnThePlay.com, the only daily fantasy site with real-time ownership percentages. Live the game at OwnThePlay.com. And welcome back to Rounding Third on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to wrap things up today with the Value Plays of the Week, sponsored by OwnThePlay.com. Pouring over the numbers this morning on Own the Play, uh, some great, great values for this week. Um, a lot of guys we've already talked about, but uh, Miguel Montero coming in at 3400 you know, outside the top 10 price-wise, which is awesome. Nick Hundley for the Rockies, a guy we talk about a lot, only 3200 for catchers. So, I mean, he's like almost bargain bin priced. Um, could probably get some really good value there. Uh, a guy that I said I was all in on and I still am all in on, Chase Utley. Uh, 3900 so he's like just inside the top 10 of second base, and still really good price. Uh, if that's a little too high for you, Scooter Jeanette coming in at 3600 So another, you know, that's a guy whose drum I've been beating all season. Um, still criminally under-owned in season-long leagues, still keeping a really good price um, on the daily sites. And on Own the Play, he's like the sixth best second baseman for the season as far as points per game. So that's something you should definitely be keeping an eye on. Um, and then this is, you know, something I wanted. I talked about on Twitter earlier today, but against the Rockies this week, I am all in on your Reds, man. Uh, I got a stack of Cozart, Eugenio Suarez, and Jay Bruce, who all are over three points per game, averaging three points per game. Cozart's at 3.19, so is Bruce, and Suarez is at 4.17. Uh, they're both, Cozart and Suarez are 3,600. Jay Bruce is 4,000. Uh, they're both or all three, excuse me, are outside of the top 10 price-wise, but those are people, guys, I'm definitely targeting. Huge value and upside there where you can really, like, overspend on your cinder guards and stuff. So that's great value for me. Um, and then Dexter Fowler, like, I don't know what it is. He's still outside the top five price-wise at 5,300, but he's the number one outfielder with 4.42 points per game. So, you know, like, I am all in there. And then a guy I briefly touched on earlier was Brandon Moss. Uh, one you really, really have to watch, um, make sure that he's playing that day. Uh, but what's really nice about on the play with the coaching changes, you know, you can go in and swap guys out right up until playing time. So if you can get Brandon Moss in there, DH or outfielder, only 3,700 and averaging 3.3 points per game. So really for me, a lot, you know, th- right here, this is almost a roster worth of guys you can build around, and then you can really overspend on the Noah Syndergaards, the uh, Jose Fernandez, the the Josh Donaldsons of the world to get the rest of the points that you're looking for. Or Bryce Harper, because you should always play Bryce Harper. Um, I feel like Nick, Nick Hodge uh, stumping for always playing Gronk. Like, you should always play Bryce Harper no matter what his price is. Yeah, um, it's getting to the point where, you know, it, it, it almost is that point where you almost should always have Bryce Harper in your lineup. Uh, it seems like. The the question of the day for Daily Fantasy is to fade or to not to fade Bryce Harper. And uh, more often times than not, it seems like uh, fading him is the wrong call. Uh, I was looking at something interesting on Twitter the other day about Bryce Harper, and uh, it was his, uh, what was it? It was something to do with, like, his strikeout uh, ratios or something like that. It's, like, gone down, like, a whole, like, 6%. That's just ridiculous, just absolutely disgusting. I mean, we're talking about a kid that's like 23, 24 years old, and he's putting up like 
Barry Bonds, like when he was like juiced out on steroids type numbers. Like this is just absolutely just just crazy to think about right now. Uh, but you're right. You know, if you if you got money to spend on Bryce Harper, getting some of these guys like Jay Bruce and Cozart and Nick Hunley uh, into your lineups is definitely going to be the way to go in order to get Bryce Harper into your lineup every single day, uh, folks. That was the Rounding Third podcast. I got my co-host in the house with me tonight at Nick Slagle. Follow him on Twitter. Make sure you follow the Rounding Third podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, this is another edition of the pod. I am your host at Who They Spoke to You, Not a No. And this is the Rounding Third podcast signing out on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network. Peace. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out socalledfantasyexperts.com for rankings, strategies, tips, DFS content, other podcasts, and more.